With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Master Grio Radio, channel 13 on your NBBTA internet radio dial. I'm Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and I am your host for this moment in time. It's time for purpose-driven words, shaping thoughts, building minds, true wealth, communities, and legacies. If my words had wings, they'd fly to you each day. Welcome, businesses. Plan to Profit, Christmas in July, B2B series. We are on part three, and our topic today is, what is your story? Our question for you today is, what is your story? Storytelling, content, content marketing is key. Many times they say content is king. And in your content, in your campaign, we want to weave a story. We want to focus on storytelling. You know, not just say, we have this, we have that. Can we weave together a story, especially for a campaign, by weaving together a story and interweaving it through multimedia, multimedia formats, and you continue the story, you have a reason to start keep drawing people back, keep drawing them back in, find out what's going on. So what's your story? That's our topic for today. Now, we do we did invite um, playwright Glenn Allen to come in and give us the 
the what we need to weave a compelling story. He's an award-winning playwright. We're still waiting for Mr. Allen to call in. But in the meantime, I just would love to share with you that Plan to Profit, the 2013 series of Plan to Profit Christmas in July B2B series is sponsored by Taylor Adams Marketing and Management, Izania Market Deals, and Anthony Stewart. And you can contact you can visit Anthony Stewart online at www.anthonystewart.net. And that's S T E W A R T. Izania Market. Go to www.izaniamarket.com for Izania Market deals. And Taylor Adams Marketing and Management, just go to www.taylaradamsmarketing. So please support our sponsors. Because of them, we are here. Next, as we follow along, this is a lesson we're here to learn. So you do really, really want your free e-workbook. So to get your free e-workbook, go to www.tayloradamsmarketing.com and you will see a post to get your free e-workbook. Click on to the post that will give you instructions. There are basically two things you need to do to get your free e-workbook. If you are a black-owned business, Register your business with Anzania Market Deals. Just go to AnzaniaMarket.com, click on Get Featured. It's free to register. And then for, um, the only other thing you need to do is register your business, and it's free, with Taylor Adams Marketing Business Directory. If you do not see a category, just create it. That's all you need to do. Once you do that, we have your data, and we can send you your free e-workbook. And then also we'll send you information about our contest. Our contest will launch in August for two weeks, and our goal is to have you up, running, and prepared to run, start running your campaign fully by September. So our contest, you get to win free exposure. The best thing about the Christmas in July contest is everybody's a winner. If you participate, you will win. When you participate, you will win. You just upload your video and during your two-week time, as you plan your campaign, you engage an audience with you. You engage your audience with you. So you, each day you upload a new video, and that video just between one to five minutes. Don't You don't have to make it really long. Just say what phase you're on. Ask your audience questions. Get their feedback. Engage audience and blast out. You have plenty of time to prepare. The um, contest will be fully announced and released next week. So you have about two weeks to prepare. So as you prepare, 
You send your blast out. You get your audience, especially existing existing customers. You want to do something special for your existing customers. And then new customers and new clients. Tell people to come along, to be part of the process. Ask them to help you make the deals, help you make holiday deals. They will give you some great feedback and insight, and just the information they share with you will probably help you tremendously to make sure that your campaign is focused on your target audience and it speaks to them. So just by entering the contest and going through the process, you win, you gain a loyal following, and you will attract new leads. That's just all you need to do is convert your leads. That's it. So everyone who participates in the contest wins. The second level... Our second prize, one business in each category, and there are six categories of businesses, but one business in each category will win a, um, one business in each category will win free exposure. So you will win a free promo pack the, um, one business in each category will win. And then the grand prize winner, we will help you develop your campaign from start to finish. So that's from image, from graphic design, whatever is needed, landing pages, promotions. We will do a full campaign with you. So you have a partner, and one of our partners, of course, is Anthony Stewart, and he's a marketing professional, graphic designer, videographer, and ability to help you create compelling video, audio, landing pages, website development, and as well as specific campaign pushes, mastermind with you, make it unique and follow you through the holiday season to help ensure that you do profit and do better this holiday season in 2013. You can't ask for more than that. All of this just by listening in to free lessons on marketing. And you can't get this quality of a school in school. Yeah, the more, the books is are one thing, but direct applied information surely is another. So, um, so then, um, you know, that's just where we are, and um. Okay, so I do um, apologize for the moment, for the break. Sometimes, surprisingly, you can get very busy this time of day. So we have the instant day of instant messaging and phones. You know, at one moment, four or five calls come in at a time. (laughs) 
And, of course, they wait till we're right here on the radio. But um, that was Roger Madison, and he is the founder and CEO of Azania Market, who is sending over his commercial, and we will play that later on today. But um, what you really do need to know is definitely please visit AzaniaMarket.com. It is a great deal program. Um, allows you to test product. If you t- want to take one product, test the market, get it out there, push it. He gives you one-on-one consultation, again, to help ensure your success. You cannot beat it. So now we're moving on to what is your story? We need to know what's your story. And... um And finding out um, what's your story, we're just going to find out a little bit more about storytelling. So we're going to talk about storytelling. Like we first said as we opened up, the question is, what is your story? And one of the first places to begin your story is with your brand. You have a brand. What is your brand story? What is the story of your business, of your, you know, of your brand, how it came to be, why it came to be? The why it came to be, most of the time we'll focus on a need. There was some kind of need or desire that you, hopefully you were working to fulfill. And let's start with that story. Start with your brand story. And from your brand story, your business story, we then can weave another story. And there are definitely certain elements when you are working on storytelling. And um, I, we do have a few articles on storytelling. And when you do download your workbook, you'll be able to find these articles. But in our magazine, Taylor Adams Marketing and Management Magazine, you will find um, you will find these stories. Um, you will find a lot of articles in our magazine on storytelling. So since I, um, I do not yet have Mr. Um, Glenn Allen has not yet arrived. We're going to just move on, and then I'm just going to come up with some stories, some of our articles on storytelling to tell us. But I am um, great, great, great. We have Mr. Roger Madison is listening in, and he will definitely also be our guest for the advertising show, which I think falls on the 31st. Wonderful information. It is wonderful in the fact that it's useful, applicable, and useful. It's information that you can use right now. We can break it down in layman terms. But you have the formula that you need in order to ensure that you're not wasting your money. And so... Um, so now we have one article about... Data-driven brand storytelling. Six tips. 
success to a credible story. And they're basically saying credible stories are rooted in data and your opinions and perspective. But you want to make sure that your base, everything is rooted on fact, need. And that's why I said we want to start with your brand story because there are facts and information right there in your brand. So if you don't know your brand story, you need to start to write it. You have a logo. Why did you choose your logo? What is your logo representing? Who is it speaking to? What perception do you want people to have when they see your logo? Then you should also have a tagline or a unique selling point. What is your unique selling point? You know, what is your tagline? Why you and not someone else? What's special? And again, why did you create the product? Why did you develop the product? What's the story around that? What was the need? How did you discover the need or discover the desire? How compelling was it for you to fulfill and help? Or, you know, what you know, this begins your story. So you need to make sure you take a moment and write your brand story. And this needs to be used many ways in your content and writing. And also these should be your talking points when talking about your company. You need to know your brand story. And this and, and in your brand story should be some rooted data and facts about your business and industry and your product or service. So um, they said develop more credible stories with these success for data-driven brand storytelling. Got data, need a story. Got a story, need data. <laughs> then these success will help shape your data into a story or bring data into your story. Either way, whichever one, wherever you are, this will help move you where you need to be. Marrying data and storytelling to make your point is sometimes tricky to do. What I really like about this post is that its first tip is all about figuring out what question or questions are top most in the minds of your audience. So, again, it's always about the audience, always about the target audience, always about the customer. This is who's going to buy. This is who you're selling to. So the more you know and understand them, the easier it will be to sell them. So it's not about you. It's about the customer and the audience. And understand, the more you know and understand your customer and audience, the better it is for you and the easier it will be to speak to them through your voice. You don't have to take away your voice, but for a conversation to happen, it has to be two-way. So you have to understand what they want. You need to know what will make them listen to your voice. So the better you understand them, then you shape their wants, needs, and desires through your voice. Now, in that, um, you want to figure out what question or questions are topmost in the minds of your audience. Because this is the first step in figuring out how to take your data and shape it into a story or determine which data you need to help your story along. The other five points are also really good. 
where to find data if you need it, how to vet, filter the data, choose, choosing how to share your data visually, how to weave the story and data together, then most importantly, receiving feedback before you publicly share it. So this is just a very helpful article on storytelling and it's data-driven brand storytelling. And as I stated, you can find all of this information on our magazine, which is Purity Marketing Madness. It's scoop.it forward slash T, pure, P-U-R, T, dash marketing, dash madness. So basically, um, so um, let's say Americans are quite open to brands being credible sources of web content. One way for brands to increase content credibility is to introduce trustworthy third-party data as part of their story. And, you know, this is standard. And um, when you are doing PR, one of the main goals of PR and public relations is to get articles written about you, to have interviews, to get testimonies and quotes and why is that so important? That is third party. That's not you saying I'm great. This is someone else saying you're great. When someone else writes on you, reviews you, you get an uh, input, a testimony, a report from a third party that validates what what you do, hopefully, or the value of your product. So that's third party verification. So it's not like you're just saying, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, and and you're the only one. Now you have other people. And so third-party verification is always important in establishing you and establishing the value of your product and what you do. So when you can say, well, you know, we use this type of, you know, this level of, um, this level of quality, just say, um, I'll give you myself for instance. I developed a program on walking and wellness, and we are a distributor of sole purpose products. I chose sole purpose because it's top spy quality, but it's very affordable. So this allows the more everyday woman to be able to afford much higher quality. Well, pure essential oils with no alcohol, I can go to the data and give you that the uh, um, the body can absorb, the skin absorbs so much more of a pure essential oil and, that is not cut by alcohol. And it's based also on your carrier oil and the quality as opposed to mineral oil as opposed to olive oil. Though in, uh, in olive and mineral oils are considered carrier oils that help carry the pure essential oils, because that will evaporate, but it helps carry it and ensures that it gets into the skin. Well, uh, extra virgin olive oil is much better than a mineral oil. The mineral oil may have more of a tendency to clog the skin, and if the pores get clogged, then there's a problem 
because the idea is for to nourish the skin all the way through. The skin actually needs that nourishment. And the further down you can nourish your skin, um, the better. When there are antioxidants and nutrients and all, because our skin is porous, whatever you put on your skin goes down into the skin, to the tissues. It can even go to the bloodstream. So it's important about what you're putting on the skin. And you can do the third, uh, third-party verification. In fact, I can state, you know, the benefits and the um, properties of all the ingredients that are in our products as well as the benefits or the properties and maybe the toxicity, toxicity of some chemically made products and how it can be toxic and affect and interact with other things that are in your body. So that's just an example of getting data that supports your product. But it's not my opinion. These are just facts. So that's the importance of trustworthy third-party data. Trustworthy is your source. Where did you get it from? Not my girlfriend. Robin said, <laughs> but that you went to an official source and um, got your data. Okay, so um, I'm going to start here, stop here, right here for a moment, and I'm going to bring on our co-host, Mr. Anthony Stewart, also one of our sponsors. Hello, Anthony. How Whoa. are you, sir? Hey, <laughs> how you doing? Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> No problem. And we have Roger Madison listening in from Azania. He's also listening in. Oh, and great. Then one around one thirty, one thirty five, Norm Bond will be on to add to the conversation. So the influence of Norm Bond. He is founder and CEO of Norm Bond Associates. He's also president of the National Alliance of Market Developers. And he's going to continue this conversation about what's your story. Um, Norm is a master blogger, king of blogging, and um, he's great writing compelling headlines. Because once we have great content written, now we want to make sure that we compel people to read it. So our headlines and our subject lines and what are our call to actions, those are all very important parts of telling your story. And so that's what we wanted to focus in on today. We're also waiting for um, playwright Glenn Allen to come on. He hasn't come yet, but he is an award-winning playwright, and Glenn is really great, so I thought maybe going to actual playwright, who also produces the D.C. Black Theater Festival, so he knows a little bit about marketing. can tell us how to use those elements of storytelling into our um, marketing. Now, some of those elements I can tell you because I'm also um, a marketing director for a theater company, and that's how I know Glenn. Um, some One of the, the key elements in a story to make it interesting, of course, is you have to have you have to have conflict. You have to have an arc. You know, they call this an arc. You need to, you want to bring your people up to a point and then bring them back down. So that conflict, you know, it gives you an arc instead of having this level monotone story. 
So, you know, we were speaking about beginning with your brand story. What's the story of your brand? That That's the first place that we can start a story. And there are all type of ways to weave a story. So I am um, I'm going to go on and give some points here about data-driven story. But these are various elements. The data that you're including in the story and in your content. This is just third-party you know, third verification that supports the value of your product, brand, or service. Now, um, but we still want to tell a nice creative story. We're not going to go super far to the left, or it depends. It depends on what your brand is, what your product and service is, how creative you can be. You know, you have the holiday season, so if you say you're fully kicking off your paint, campaign in September, you have story, you know, you can begin in September, then the next phase comes out, another part of the story, um, mid-September, then uh, first half of October, then the second half of October, and all along, you have this ongoing story. So if you really create a compelling ongoing story, and you're really engaging, they want, if nothing else, want to see what's next. And you can do that. Um, we see it in commercials, how creative commercials can be. The only thing I just warn is that you're not so creative that you totally lose sight of the product. Because there are commercials that I love, but I couldn't tell you what they were selling. <laughs> but it was a great piece of art. <laughs> so, I mean, you don't want to lose sight of that. But there are ways and. This is um we may if we have to bring on um Glenn next week or for a special episode we will because these these are the nuances of a great storyteller. If they have the ability to bring things to light without necessarily always saying it. Sometimes it can be implied through movement. Now understand we're in the age of extreme multimedia. Everything your story just doesn't have to be written. You have videos to help tell a story, videos you can run online, videos you can run through mobile. You have, you know, all type of screens, first screen, second screen. You have all of these various ways in which to tell your story. So you don't have to, it's not just a word, it should be a mixture of everything um, from offline content um, and as you start looking and building your story, it can also help you in developing your marketing strategies. You know, is there, you know, one good way, um, it's a marketing strategy, but it can also be weaved into a story. Um, remember, I don't know if they've done it lately, but McDonald's and uh, fast food restaurants will always have contests. But you would have to go into the store to get a piece to put this puzzle together. Hmm. So what that does is drive foot traffic into the locations. Mm-hmm. And then and then people are all they they're working to collect all the pieces so that when they get the whole piece they may possibly win. So um but that is a way to engage and it's always done for a certain period of time. Yeah, a certain period of time and you go collect. But to collect you have to either go into I know you could go into the establishment and get the the base part. 
you I think you may have to buy to get your various different stamps or whatnot. But they use the various parts. Now, while that's an image, you can still use that to tell a story. You can have a discovery part. You know, can you discover the clue? Um, it's a big thing now when, um, with virtual where people can end the story. They can write the end. You know, what is your, what is, how would you end it? They can add to it. You can make it interactive. There's just so many things you get to do with storytelling. And um, you just want to take advantage of that. And so instead of just being flat with no depth, no dimension, I sell this, get this, buy that, create a story around it. You know, um, make your campaign, create a story around it. Move your audience. Um, I like to um, align it to someone said marketing you you there's various levels like dating. Like sometimes a man might take you out and wine you and dine you. Sometimes y'all might go to Mickey D's, sometimes you may just hang out at the house. <laughs> you know, it's different levels, you know, you're not always gonna be on one level all the time. So you wanna um engage your audience at different levels. And a a great story will allow you to do that. And what happens during that time when you're spending those different type of experience and different type of times together, what happens? We get to know one another. The more we get to know one another, the more we trust. The more we trust, the much more likelihood we'll buy and support one another. So that is based definitely how you're going to look at it. And as I stated, um, we're I, going I have to, a question um, if you don't I'm yeah. asking here. Uh, so far as the bio is concerned, you know, a lot of people have biographies on their websites. Is this part of the brand or the About Us page is part of the branding of it? When you're talking about what yourself, a, you work in. Well, that's part, of the, that's part of the getting to know, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you throw up a website, I sell this and this and that. Now, why should I trust you? You know, I'm just on the internet. I don't know you from a can of paint. So when I tell about us or the bio, that is that the purpose of that is for them to get to know you. And in that, again, we say data-driven information. You want to put in some facts. You want to add why you're qualified. You know, what makes you, you know, good, worthy. And then you also want to share a little bit about you. You do want to create a story, and a good story will be retold. So you don't want to even you don't want to necessarily create a complicated story, but you want to have some element of that story that can easily be retold. But you want gotcha. when you know when they get there to read the bio or the about section, they should definitely feel more comfortable and know more. You know, you don't want to make it so factual, you know, like it's just general, you know, like fact, fact, fact. You want to make it a little bit more personal so that, personable so that they feel they're getting to know you, even if you are a company or brand and not you a person. There's, You know, you still want to, for people to feel that they know you or are attached to you. So 
That's why if you go to corporate sites, when they go to their about sections, you they'll break down all type of parts, you know, from investors to, but they always include their community part, what we do in the community. They let you see what's important to them and, and, and what values and things that they have with the people out in the community to help, you know, create more loyalty. Then they have the various different facts sections, so, and it depends on the audience who goes. One person may want to go to the press room. Another person may want to look at investors. Somebody just may want the general story. So, you know, it depends on the level, but these were um, the things that you see. Sometimes you have about us, but then you also have a history section, like is what I'm doing with my church. We have a about, our, about us where we have a little bit about the church and we have about our, our pastor. But we're uh, 38 years old, um, groundbreaking, you know, in um, ministry for the deaf and hearing and, you know, our pastor in, in church and um, social service agency, the first people, you know, to get deaf people jobs um, at the post office and these different federal agencies, sent so many people to school, educated so many people. Um, our current pastor, who's not the founder, but our current pastor, she has the only agency for the deaf far as, you know, for recovery needs and resources and information in the whole state of Pennsylvania. So, you know, we have a lot of history and significant part in deaf advocacy. So, you know, that goes in our history section. And so these are, you know, you make it fit, but that is important. And that's part of your brand story, you know, like in your story. But that helps you shape your story because that may help you shape, that that should help shape the why you're in business. And it should give you some of them facts and data that you need to say why you're worthy to even represent to sell this, you know, um, and it should help shape your story. So the more you okay. know your brand story, the easier it is for you to tell other stories. And this way you make sure whatever stories you're telling always um, shape your brand. So now they say there's six things in data-driven storytelling. Number one, keep your audience top of mind. And, you know, that's just like, again, I said, it's all about the audience. It's all about the customer. It's not about you. So you got to make sure that you don't get go too inward and that you're taking an outward look. And part of that means is you have to do some research and data and get to know your existing customers. They're a great place to start and much easier to get data and things from. So the more you know your customer and target audience, the better you can make sure that you're focusing that what you're creating is going to be appealing to them. Second, as we say, find the data. And there are many sources of data. Um, So... Most of us can find it, go through some things, but there are all types of ways to find data that you need if you don't already have it. But they have government databases, state agencies, journalist toolbox is one place you can go. There are journalists like journalist toolbox or freebase. Googling, um, they have Q&A sites such as Get the Data, Quora, 
These are places that you can go to get facts and get data that you need. Next, they say to vet your data source and filter your findings. Don't forget the goal of using your data is to increase your content's credibility. The purpose is just to make it more credible, more believable, and um, more trustworthy and to validate your brand storytelling. So that with that said, make sure the source of your data is also credible. Use sources that are reputable, well-known for research data, like this is, such as Forrester Research, Pew Research, or make sure that they're a credible source in, all, in your industry. Um, you know, Forrester Research could be great and all, but that may not be necessary for the theater, like when a company's first world theater ensemble. That data may not is not necessary for us to sell ourselves. But being a local theater in Philadelphia, to say that um, we um, to be very more nominated for outstanding lead actress, that's credibility. One that says you belong to the Barrymore, it's your professional theater, so automatically because you can't get the nomination without it. So um, make sure whatever it is is relevant to your industry and relevant to your audience. And that's where we go again, back to the audience. So um, certain data can be real great for certain people. You know, you also have... um, Okay, um, well, what we're going to do just real quick, um, I'm not sure if um, Roger's still on or not, but with Anthony, we're gonna, um, Anthony, I'm going to come let yes. you close out. And, and, and oh, Norman's getting ready to come on right now, too. But do you want to just give us a closing message before you move on and I'll bring Norm on? Uh, the reason that I was even mentioning the, the biography is because with myself, I create a lot of different products and a lot and have a lot of different services. So I have to have a message for each individual product, but I also have the brand of myself, who I am. Mm-hmm. And when you have a, a brand that's like overreaching many products and many things, that whole message has to be uh, crafted very carefully. So even with writing my biography, you know, I had some other people take a look at it, and they were like, okay, well, you know, what you're telling us about is one one particular product. We need to know about you. You know, who is the person that created all of this? Who is the person that's doing all of this? So I know sometimes we can be really close to certain products and things that we have, and we'll kind of miss the actual message that people are getting. Like you said, you know, keep in mind the audience, you know, who you're trying to talk to. And I know myself, I would sometimes forget that. Actually, a lot of times I would forget that. So say if I was speaking at an event and I was talking about a particular product, you know, people are sitting there listening, but then somebody, you know, put their hand in there and say, okay, how did you come to get to doing all this? And that was becoming a consistent thing, people asking me that question. And I had to run back and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I was in a Japanese prison and I started studying and this is that and the other. Japanese prison? Oh, my God, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where did that, you know, what happened with that? Then. You know, what happened before you get there? What did you do to get there? And now they want to know this other part. And so here I am talking all this time, not necessarily thinking about the actual story for the product of myself. I was more so trying to get the individual items and products and not thinking about the bigger picture. 
or the bigger brand or the story that is uh, catered or wrapped around or, or expresses that bigger brand. So I would suggest you, Anthony, are the brand. Anthony, you are the brand. I don't care what product you develop because you're a serial entrepreneur. Who we trust and what we trust aren't your products. We trust mm-hmm. you. Exactly. So exactly. when you went, now you went back to Anthony Stewart and you put up that image of you, your philosophy and what you believe, that's it. Mm-hmm. That And then, you know, the, the many things that you do, but that's it. That's what people are buying into. You speak. Exactly. You look. We've, across the years, over the years, you've developed many different products, but what we, who I've gotten to know is you. Gotcha. And that's the same thing exactly. with me. I've done the same thing this year. I would import everything that I'm doing under Taylor Adams Marketing mm-hmm. because it, it's me. These are projects I've developed, but I pulled it all under Taylor Adams Marketing. So Taylor Adams Marketing developed master degree, you know, but it, it's mm-hmm. the tie-in for people because people are buying into me. Exactly. And at any given moment, I could be representing someone as a marketing person as a marketing company, I could be representing another client. I could develop another project. What people are buying into, though, is Jacqueline Taylor Adams, the Taylor Adams brand. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, you're definitely on point. Um, it's it's about you. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, you have a marketing thing to reach out to various different audiences, but people definitely buy into you first, especially as a speaker. Exactly. Okay, so how can people reach you? AnthonyStewart.net. All right. <laughs> that is the main thing that I am promoting right now, AnthonyStewart.net, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-S-T-E-W-A-R-T, AnthonyStewart.net is the best Alrighty. way to, to find out about me and reach me. Okay. Now, do you want to greet Norm before you leave, Anthony? Uh, how are you, sir? I'm good, Anthony. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. How's life going for you? Oh, uh, man, life is a bowl of cherries. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to get on your level, so I'm just waiting on you to write that book so I can follow some instructions. Hey, it'll be an e-book. Just check. Go all right. to <laughs> that, all right, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. You all take care now. All right. All right. checking out this site. All right. Thank you. Okay, see you next week. Okay, all right, peace. We have Norm Bond on, and this is Plan the Profit Christmas in July B2B series, and today we're talking about what's your story. And we're talking about um, brand storytelling and um, creating a story across your holiday campaign rather than just having a flat campaign, I sell this, we sell that. We're talking about creating a story through um, to weave your campaign together. Now, Mr. Norm Bond is many things. He is founder and CEO of Norm Bond Associates, and you can visit him at www.normbond.com. He's also president of the National Alliance of Market Developers, and you can visit NAMD online at www.namdn. TL.org. And Norm is also, he's blog king, and he's one of the most influential 
influencers on social media to follow. But Norm has a great blog that he's always putting out, and he's really good for putting out compelling headlines. So, Norm, talk to us about, first, to share a little bit about yourself, and then tell us a little bit about headlines. Okay. Uh, as was mentioned, uh, normbind.com is the best place to go and find out a little more about me. But briefly, uh, my background is in marketing. It's pretty much all I've ever done professionally. Um, worked for IBM as a marketing rep, um, sold a number of uh, high-tech products, and then uh, moved into uh, personal products. I sold healthcare products, uh, published a magazine for about six years that dealt with the topic of diversity. It was a nationally distributed magazine and, um, you know, basically now focused on a lot of uh, Internet marketing uh, as well as offline events. So I've done everything from produce videos to put on uh, large events with like 10,000 people to smaller events with, you know, 50 people. And I've been doing it for uh man, close to over 20 years. <laughs> so I mean, marketing and economic development are really my two primary focus areas. Now, can I stop you one moment, Norm? Yes. Just to give our audience an example and um, to follow up on what Anthony was talking about, about self-branding. If you notice, whether intentional or not intentional, um, when you speak... As I stated, if you develop your brand story, you will have your talking points. Throughout this little bit of what we spoke about Norm, what we did was establish his credibility as well as you got to know a little bit about him. And he added a little, you know, story, um, a little personal in there about him, marketing and economic development, you know, the main things I've been doing for over 20 years. But he gave you work at IBM. Um, the National Alliance of Market Developers, which he's the president of. These are very variable. He gave you about three to five things that you could just take and verify immediately online. So that I just wanted to share that, again, in storytelling. Storytelling is not just always written. Storytelling, um, audio, video, you're telling a story. But as you see, immediately the first thing we do is establish credibility and believability, so that what comes to follow, you can trust it. That's a great point, Jackie. And it's funny because I was having this conversation earlier today with someone who's been in business, you know, since 1969. And the thing is, um, to the point you're making, a lot of people in terms of telling their story have told their stories offline, particularly uh, people, uh, you know, it could be a generational thing, you know, people are mm-hmm. 40 and above. And what's happened is a lot of people now are coming into uh, a, a space, whether that's photography, whether that's marketing, whether that is uh, uh, technology, what have you. They're, they're younger people, newer people in terms of their experience. So, what, But they're more tech savvy. And so, mm-hmm. because, so that means that they can put up a website or put up uh, social media presences. And some of them are now actually capitalizing on their brand and telling their story more effectively than people that might have 30 years, 40 years of doing work in those particular same uh, areas, yet 
they those people who have that longer experience have not effectively grasped technology and so they're getting left behind and so it's a, it's really important for people who have done a lot you know to also integrate the social media and the marketing and and, uh, and mobile different tech tools so that you can really stay relevant yes because your story needs to be told across all. And and there's also two ways to tell, because sometimes I know people get so focused online, they don't always know how to drive that offline. Absolutely. They need to be complementary, as you and I have talked about before. You need to have, you know, they should be supporting each other. Your offline strategy should be supporting your online strategy and vice versa. You know, that's the whole, that's the really uh, best case scenario. Yes, yes, unless you're solely online business. But even if you are solely online, you live offline. Absolutely. So if you're going to a you're store, going to <laughs> yeah, you're going to go to a store, different places. Again, find out where your clients congregate. And if it's something that's just putting postcards in those areas that tells them to go to your website, posters, you have beauty shops, it's all types of ways to drive traffic offline, online. So. Um, it's definitely it helps keeps you relevant because everybody like you know you may do business but we do live offline. And, and and I think you have to do two different types of events too, Jackie. To your point, meaning that like you you know we can do an event online, say a webinar where mm-hmm. it's available, everyone can attend around the world who gets access to at your website. So you can set up the Facebook page, you can set up Eventbrite, other tools, and people can click and they can attend your webinar online. They don't have to physically be at your event. And you can yeah. rely somewhat on those numbers a little bit better if people say they're going to attend. Now, on the other hand, if you're going to do a offline event at a brick-and-mortar location and you put that same e- same process, you can di- you can immediately throw out at least sixty to seventy percent of those confirmations because a lot of yeah. those people who will confirm to something that is virtual online, some of them won't even be in the ge- geographic area, and this yeah. is that it, it, it fakes people out a lot because they'll do an o- offline event, they set up all of the social media and whatnot, and then they get to their event and they're like, well, where are the people at? That, I had five hundred people said they were going to show up. <laughs> Online, yeah, click my like yeah. book, or let's click like, or I'm attending on Facebook. And they I know, that's the worst thing you can do. In, in New Orleans, and your event is in California. <laughs> oh, God. Somebody actually tried to convince me how someone else told them data, even though I'm a marketing person, that you can just do your marketing online and save a lot of money. And I'm like, you cannot do an offline event with only online marketing. It just it doesn't work. No, uh, offline event. Yeah, yeah. You need to. Territory where your event yes. is held at that venue. You better be on some local media, some talk radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you better you better be pressing the flesh as we as we say. Yes, and it's e- and it's, even when you have online events, you can increase your audience by using offline areas. You know, if it's you know even if it's a webinar and all, but if you got signs, you know, go here, and somebody's sitting in a barber salon. Or you know how they put those yellow sign we buy houses. If you say go here yeah. live webinar this time, people drive they have their phones right there. They can literally just look at it and go there. So please don't you know 
get so online that you totally ignore offline because people are still living offline. And um, it is a, another great way to increase traffic. And um, you need balance. Man, this mm-hmm. is what we're yeah. really saying. Mm-hmm. You got to balance your, and you can't put all of your marketing in one basket. There, there is no yeah. silver bullet. That people say, well, like you just, we can't just do online. You can't just use Twitter or just Facebook. You, you know, I've always advocated a marketing mix to people to yeah. say. You know, let's you mix it up. You know, mix up the platforms, mix up the uh, public relations in terms of trying to get earned media about what you're mm-hmm. doing as far as stories, as well as, I'm going to say the dirty word, paid media. You might need to, you know, put some money You're not Mike. You know, sometimes. most of the time, if it's significant enough. I mean, there are some things, maybe the investment's not worth it, but anyone in business, you know, honestly, once a month you should be putting out a press release. And at minimum, and and this is not recommended by PR people, but I'm just going to be realistic because I know how our people are. But worst case scenario is once a quarter you're paying for distribution of, you're doing paid media, and you're paying yeah, for distribution of your press. if you're not a marketing press. person and you don't have a press list, you're going to have to, you know, pay. Because the thing that, because often what happens, and I know you get this too, Jackie, uh, people will come to somebody like yourself, myself as a marketer, and say, hey, I'm going to send you this info about my event. Can you get this out to your people? Well, first of all, that's the business that we do. So in terms of distribution of press releases, it's time. And it's not just sending a release and putting a release on letterhead and sending that out. Anybody can do that. But the thing that differentiates, like, Jackie or myself and, and people who are effective is that the person on the receiving end of that email or fax even knows our brand. They know who we are to the point of telling our story. So they so they will read that release that they're receiving. Yeah, that's what they say. And, First, and be willing to, to read it. Tell you about it. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, but and it takes follow that up. That it to be yeah. a part of your budget for your event. Yeah. And like they don't understand that takes follow up. Uh, you yeah. know, PR is the big the biggest task in PR is follow up. Because they, them people are so inundated with so much email, you send it out, but then you had to call and say, you know, I sent you an email. Oh, okay, That's you know right. what? Send That's it right. again. They're almost 85% of the time they're going to say send it again, but when they send it again, you call and say, okay, I got it, got it. Then you had to say, okay, what you going to do with it? And, you know, but like, but like Norm said, though, if, you, if these people don't know you, you don't get that response. Like, all right, all right, all right, Jake, we're going to do something. Yeah. yeah. And also, Jackie, you have to tie it into the audience of that particular media outlet. If it's radio, yeah. if it's print, and often people will do their event and they'll say, well, I want to get this out to the press. I want to get this blah, blah, But my question, I always say to them, and this ties in with what you're talking about today as far as the story is, is it the Does it relate yeah. to this particular medium? Because you could have a great event that is targeting teens, but that's not going to play if, some, if the audience of a particular radio show is seniors, you know, 54 and above. So you yeah. have to make the, whatever it is that you're doing and whatever your event is, look at the media that is relevant, that where that audience is relevant and will appreciate what you're saying. That will increase the chances of you getting earned media or getting invited to be a guest on a particular show. So it goes mm-hmm. back to what I heard you speaking about earlier with Anthony, the importance of knowing your audience. It always starts from from a marketing point, and, and people miss this 99% of the time with who is your audience? 
Who are you trying to reach? And then, as you said, where are they? People get out, they spend all types of money, time, whatever, and lose a lot of money because they don't go back to the basics of who is my audience, who am and I trying where to reach, are they? and where are they. And if you don't get because, that right, yeah. nothing else is going to work. Yeah, because once you know who they are and then and what their habits are, it cuts down a lot of time and effort. Just you know, I don't know how many times people say everybody's my audience. No, they're not. Oh, you know, I mean, everybody can use water, but you know, you better focus on people that like water. <laughs> you know, everybody doesn't don't like have a water. Well, 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 unless you, if even Oprah Winfrey doesn't say everybody's my audience, right? And these people will say everybody's my audience. Everybody wants it. Well, what's your budget? Oh, I ain't got no budget. <laughs> and even Oprah Winfrey gonna tell you everybody's not my audience. Absolutely. She though she has a certain enlightened audience and her and, and that's a, and you can see it through her brand. You know, as she builds her network, you can see the type of programming she has, and even outside programming she's bringing on. She got a lot of women they ask for the soaps, so she worked the soaps on. I mean, she's doing some serious coup, but she's listening and she's heavy in the social media and she listens to her audience. And that helps drive her programming. And a, a network that I think they thought that would go under is really starting to begin to thrive. But, again, um, as you stated, and another thing people don't understand, when it comes to media, there are all types. They, especially with with TV and print, they, when I'm doing for the theater, I don't want to get Bobby Booker, who reviews books, to cover my article on the theater. Mm-hmm. But I need, um, you know, there's a cultural reviewer there. You know, sometimes the reviewers change, but, you know, you always have to find out who's dealing with theater. You know, we everybody know, like, if it's Philadelphia, you, got, you go through Jay Coop. He's the main one. But, you know, it gets filtered down. But I know if I get it to Jay Coop and Sheena, she's the editor. So she'll um, send it out. But when if I'm writing an article on the Urban Tech Fair, doing something on tech, that's a whole other writer I go to. And yeah. so you have to under, again, you, you know, you can lose a whole lot by wasting time sending things to people that aren't relevant. That's how I found out the Enquirer was divided up by neighborhood. Vernon Clark told me, oh, no, I, I don't know, they may not be any more, but at one time, depending on what neighborhood you lived in, who would cover that? So depending on where the event happened, who you who you should send the press to. Right. So that is why, to be can honest, find some of that mm-hmm. out. also by analyzing the particular paper or magazine or even blog. I mean, you know, today, I mean, there are blogs, uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of blogs in various niches. So you can go on, and again, you've got to be targeted and target the relevant blogs in your area as well. So we're saying it's all the same, but that target, which means that you then as that producer of that event or the entrepreneur, you have to know who your audience is, like, who, you know, what's the profile of your ideal customer? Like, what do they look like? Who, you know, mm-hmm. what's their age? What is their education level? What is their geography? What is their uh, level of technical expertise if it's related to that? What is their family? What is their household income like? If you don't know some of those basic demographics and psychographics, you're really not ready to start promoting an event. Yes, an event or a product. And just stating, like, just say if you have an event, we're talking about, Christmas in July. So if you say if you're doing a holiday event and you do an event around the holidays, 
and your main thing that you're driving is this major event, when you're doing your campaign and your story, you really shouldn't be talking about um, Mary Magdalene unless it's a religious event. If you're talking about a party and all, then talk about things relevant to events and to partying, you know. Partner with relevant people. Your story starts with, you know, you know, planning, okay, I got to get my tickets, and, you know, you have two characters, and they're going to go, we're going to go as a couple, you know, we're going to get our tickets first, we're going to secure our tickets, that's one of the first things we're going to do. Then what are you going to wear, what am I going to wear? You know, I heard so-and-so is having a sale. That's an opportunity now, not just to have a story, but to partner with other people, and to collaborate with other businesses and weaving and telling a story and directing them. And then you thought the benefits, if if there's benefits in selling more and sharing or, you know, like the importance of having to be there. If you're the premier night spot, this and that, like, you know, to showing how, you know, your premier is the place to be. This is what you where you want to be on the holidays and however you want to represent that. And it doesn't matter your event. Hey, let's take the... Um, NAMD by Black Expo. We know that's coming up in November. We can begin a story about, you know, just like um, the shopping experience, right. the experiment. We could create a story just about, we could just create create characters and, and do a shopping experiment. You know, what if, what if I plan? Well, I start saving now. Okay, I got this much time. I start saving. I save this much money. Save this much money. Where you save money? Do you know you can go to the Roundaway app? They got some. They got the black banks listed there. Then we go here and we just start save. See what saving plans and all they have. And, and the importance of saving your money, getting ready to shop, and you know this and that, and, and getting people to come. You know, um, you know whatever. Well, that's the other, but, that's the other mm-hmm. point with that, Jackie. Also, is there more tools? available for us today to support those stories in terms of video that can be created, yes. in terms of photos, articles that you can write, little uh, yes. blog posts, interviews. So today we have more tools to help tell those stories, and mm-hmm. you, and they're not expensive. Most people, I mean, if you have a smartphone, it has a, a camera and, and a video in most of them, so you can do, you know, just something, you know, brief. They don't have to be... Uh, elaborate, you know, 30-minute videos and whatnot. It could be a couple, two-minute or less, just snippets. And the other thing is that's really important, and this is why I want to definitely always congratulate you, Jackie, for the, what you do with this Christmas in July, Is and that is the timeline. One of the biggest problems I have with people trying to market products and, and or events is not is one I already talked about as far as the budget and knowing their audience, but the other is the timeline. Like if you know like you gotta start from the date of your event and work backwards to wherever you are now in time. Because everything doesn't need to come out at the same time. If you look at a yes. movie premiere for example, they'll start with a trailer it might be a year in advance or six months in advance, and then as they get closer, it starts to ramp up. When people plan whatever it is, their product launch, their new websites coming out, their book, whatever it is, look at it, create a timeline that, so that you can go from cold to warm to hot to blazing hot in terms of your telling your story, in terms of you know when do it, when is the best time if you go to a play. 
it leads on. You know, it's a beginning, it's a middle, it's an end. It's a sequence to that. And yeah. that is important. And often if people come last minute, you don't get the time to really lay out that timeline, and it won't be as effective. Definitely. And that's what's so important about the plan to profit. That's the biggest thing is planning to profit, which means you got to give it enough time because the reality of it is since we do have the Internet and all of these tools, people have so much more access to information. They get to shop around, shop earlier. They get to find deals and everything. I um, have information you'll see in the e-workbook. Um, campaigns. Last year, Target came out with a full-blown month-long campaign for Christmas in July. They even, even on July 25th, and they had a Cyber Monday in July. Full-blown campaign that, you know, where they went. So if they're launching a Christmas in July campaign in July, how long ago did they start that? That's right. So what happens is, where there's super whole bunch of sales, there probably wasn't super large amount of sales, but guess what? When people are ready to do their holiday shopping, who's going to be the one of the first places in their mind? That's Target. Right. That's right. Well, look, to your point, I went out and you know to uh, get some office supplies and staples one day, what, a few weeks ago, and I walked in and, and you know, we were sitting in the city and the, and the lady was like, yeah, you know, you can get 15% off with our back-to-school sale because we're starting to back. And I was like, back-to-school? Did they just get out of school like last week? <laughs> <laughs> and they were already promoting. Yes. And she, said, she started laughing. She was like, yeah, you know, and I, I, it wasn't even, you know, this is before the Fourth uh, of July, so they already are. So what? What if they're doing that now? What are they going to be doing uh, last week of August in terms of the back to school promotions? So if these major yeah 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 back to school is gone because thirty eight percent of shoppers start buying start your Christmas shopping in September now. Mm-hmm. It's mostly online shoppers, but they start thirty eight percent of shoppers start in September. So if they're starting to buy in September, they're researching all summer. So really by next year, we're going to fully implement the Christmas in July. We're going to start implementing the preparation stage in May so that in July we're running test campaigns because we really want to work to get to the level of standard business because, you know, truth of the matter is it doesn't matter whether or not you believe in Christmas or not. The holiday season comes. And 85% of retailers earn most of their profit during the holiday season. That's where the most amount of money all year is earned during that time. So there's no reason for us not to take advantage of it and struggle all the time because we simply did not take the time to plan. And don't feel that because there are all these big retailers that you can't compete. Because of the Internet, people get to make special choices. And it's not always that they're going to run to necessarily big department stores. It's about what they need. And now is the time for our creativity. And um, in the creativity and thinking of various things you can do, collaborations. Like, I'm going to put out there for the um, Buy Black, since we're here, might as well have it planned. Um, Norm, I don't know. We're running a contest that will launch in um, August, and we're going to run it for two weeks. And in the contest, all the participants, they upload a video, and they and they show 
each step of the um the series what you know when they engage their part in their campaign and they start engaging the audience in the campaign in the formation of the campaign so everybody that comes aboard automatically you know wins because now you've gained a following we created a format for you to pull people your existing customers and new people into your campaign and help you develop it so they're part of the process but then that you know let's just throw um the Buy Black um, Holiday Shopping Expo in that. And we should be starting a registry. You know, who are some of your standard vendors? I know there's like a standard court vendors that are there all the time. And that could be also a buy-in for vendors. We will have a registry, you know, um, to to create a, a, a site or something easily that, we have the um, the vendor comes on and lists the items that, you know, type of items that you're selling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it don't have to be very specific, but, you know, if it's pocketbooks, this and that, well, if someone's going down their list, okay, I like I, I, I want to get a pocketbook or something for salad. You know, these are the things that are going to be there. So if I know what's going to be there, then, okay, I can plan these are, you know, this is what I'm going to get so-and-so. So when I go there, I know that that need can be met, and I don't have to worry about that later on. But you brought it to mind, so I I'm gonna go there, and I know I'm going to get certain gifts out the way. Absolutely. So you no, get a register with like people. That. Yeah. Yeah. And you, um, get, you know, like mm-hmm. you said, you want to be top of mind, and you want to get in because more people, particularly with this economy, um, are either like setting aside money early or looking for like special deals they can find. Yes. Uh, so it's really important then to, you know, be out there early and uh, let people know about what you're doing and give them ways to, to mm-hmm. get to engage with you. So I think that's that's And help idea. them in the process. You like you, you know they're planning. So registry is a great planning tool. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. we need to partner with some of the banks on Christmas clubs. Who has Christmas clubs, saving plans? Start you know, mm-hmm. the expo definitely needs to partner with with a bank or two. Mm-hmm. And then you can, no, that's, and then right. you know, and like these are one of I actually gave this advice to Mercer all before too because I know that was one of the big issues about the art expo having the money to buy the art, and you know to say you know along you know honestly when you get started because he always markets it early you need to actually market a savings plan um, so that people can start putting away so that you can go there and get the art that you want and we can get people back up to spending the amount of money they used to spend. You know, when I first started, the average person was spending $250 at the Art Expo. Mm -hmm. And that number dropped down tremendously. And Mm -hmm. even $250 is not a lot. But in 96, Mm -hmm. that's what the average person was spending. And and $250 in 96 was different than $250 in 2013. Mhm. It was much stronger. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, because prices in '96 were, were obviously less than they were are now in 2013. So that same mm-hmm. 250, uh, you know, was actually today maybe about 300 or so. So that's a, that's a, um, you know, that's something that definitely uh, is important in, in terms of people being able to budget and look at the finances, um, particularly if you have an item that people might look at as. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say luxury, but a non-essential. You know, no, like, or higher end. Like if they're coming out to an expo, they're going to, 
you know, you're not going to come out to an expo to spend 5 or $10. You're going to come out to an expo to spend some money. But sometimes you got to make people think because what happens is they say, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, but they don't put up the money and save. Then they don't quite have the money and they don't show up. So it's always our job as marketers and business people to remove, do whatever we can to help remove any barriers to purchase. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of, you know, the habits. So since we do have this luxury of the Internet, to find out every, every when they do their form, they also do a list. And even if you can have a list and have them add on, say, the type of items that you're selling for the registry. So there's a, a registry, and they can check off the, you know, the item and find out what companies are selling those items so that they can go ahead and plan they're gift shopping, and well, and it works what, for the holiday. Well, the other thing too that Jackie that does is for the business uh, owners that are listening or vendors that are listening, it speaks to them to get involved, you know, with you and myself and others, so that they can be a part of that. Because the often we can come up with great ideas. But the thing is to get the buy-in from the business owners because what I find often is going going back to uh, what we were talking about earlier as far as the story and the marketing, often business owners don't put money or planning into their marketing effort. They focus on their product or even with an event. People will focus on their event, but they won't put enough time into the planning the marketing of that event or the planning of the product. And then they bring out the event or they bring out the product because it's a great product. Okay, great event. But you didn't market it, so now, you know, you don't get those numbers. So I'm saying those business owners need to reach out, uh, you know, because there are different opportunities that they can take advantage of. Many of them are uh, low cost to no cost, but you have to mentally be willing to do it. And some of it you have to do yourself. You can't... uh, expect people to do it for you. You know, I promote a number of directories, business directories. And um, I was talking with someone, I think, last week, and I was telling the guy, you know, I get frustrated sometimes when I go to an event or, you know, I talk to people, I give out a directory where they can list their business for free in terms of at least a basic listing, their name, their business name, a website, mm-hmm. phone number, what have you. And then I'll go to visit the site a few days later, a few weeks later, a month later, and many of the people who I've talked to haven't, even listed their businesses. But they said that they wanted to get exposure, I ain't got no money, blah, blah, blah. And so here you have the opportunity to grab this marketing and make that as important as your bookkeeping, as important as your technology, you know, because the guy I was talking to was trying to, you know, say, well, you know, maybe you got to do it for them. And I kind of gave him a side eye. No, I mean, marketing, uh, I tell people, is the applied science of consumer behavior, which again tells us it's all about the customer and the processes that we use to move from product or service to a sale. If you want to make a sale, you need marketing. And sales is what drives the business. And people have put their blood, sweat, and tears, their life savings into these businesses. And I, and it pains me sometimes when I see them open up a new restaurant or, you know, they got this new product coming out, this new clothing line. They put all that into it, but they don't have the marketing because I know where it's going. I mean, I, I've 
work with enough people to know nine times out of ten, I come Friday in 12 months, the restaurant's going to be shut down. The store's going to be closed. The the beauty salon is not going to be open. And, and and that's what happens. And that owner, you know, we really have to take you – you don't have to become, you know, a Jackie Taylor Adams or a Norm Vine in terms of marketing, but you need to know – some of the basics of your product, you need to be sitting down, it needs to be a strategic mm-hmm. decision. You know what, I'm going to have this timeline, I'm going to have, you know, know what's going on. Because also that, that prevents you from being taken advantage of. I talk to a lot of yeah. people who have tried to work with a marketing person and didn't do what you said earlier as far as checking out the person's background, checking out, Googling them, something as simple as that, to see, you know, who they work with. Have they built a site that looks like the one they're telling you that they can build for you? They don't do that. And, or they get bad advice, and then they lose $10,000, $5,000. I had somebody uh, talking to about a year ago bought 5,000 DVDs. I'm like, why you buy 5,000 DVDs? Why do you get, get 5,000 DVDs printed? Oh, they told me to get 5,000 DVDs. Now she was trying to, she had 4,500 of them sitting in her garage. And tell you, asking oh my me, God. what did you do to get rid of them? <laughs> I was like, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, who's buying $25 DVDs? But that was the advice, but she didn't know. But then it was, oh, I wish I would have met you a year ago. That type of thing. But you have to. Yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, you have to do your due diligence in anything. And in order to do, honestly, due diligence on a marketing person, you got to learn something about marketing. I I can give the example. My um, youngest stepson was drafted, he got a scholarship to UNC, and he was drafted to the pros. But while he was in UNC, I told him, why don't you um, take, at least take finance as a major? Because he had a cousin that was already in the pros and had lost all his money because the person that was taking care of his money and everything stole it. And he didn't know anything about it. So when he came back around the money again, he understood finance. And while, you know, the program didn't support him in being in the school of business, he did take finance courses. I say, well, if, you know, because they're trying to, they don't want them to have a heavy workload, the football players. But he did take those finance courses. And it worked to his advantage because he knew what to do with his bonus. He was only wound up being in the pros for three years, one year with the XFL, but he knew how to invest his money. He got his Series 7 license. He worked for Smith Barney and FNM. He worked for Mortgage. He stayed in that whole arena. And that gave him a career after sports. But the whole point was is that couldn't anyone come up to him and tell him anything about investing his money? Like his cousin, mm. whatever the guy said, he's like, okay, okay. Then he wound up oh, stealing man. his money. I know that story. <laughs> but luckily, you know, he was in the pros for a while, so when his next money came around, he knew. Now, he may not have been mm-hmm. still managing his own portfolio, but couldn't anyone tell him anything? He knew what to look for in a finance manager. He knew what to look for, He you know, what things you know, weren't, you know, what red flags, those type of things. Mm -hmm. So because even when you hire somebody, bringing them on, you're overseeing them. And you need to know enough about the area to be able to oversee them. Absolutely. 
So and we, um, see, and we see the results of people who don't take that approach all the time. You know, in terms of, you know, I used to work with a lot of people in music, and you and I remember you'd hear the stories. They do the, the oh, video quarter million dollars and and the person the 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 label would be like oh you you know get the get the limos get the helicopter get the mm-hmm. you know all of these get this get the entourage out blah 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 and they're doing all that on the front end not not watching the numbers because they didn't want to mess with the suits you know i just want to do my music i just want to be you know in the booth okay and mm-hmm. then when they got them chargebacks and they realized mm-hmm. they were in the hole for half a million dollars you know, it was too late. And many of them, they didn't get another hit. They didn't get another, you know, another mm-hmm. bite of the apple. So, you know, a lot of them, that's you don't hear from these people anymore. And it's because many of them didn't do what you're saying. They didn't want to understand, you know, the number. Not that they had to become a CPA, but you should know what your balance is. What's debit and credit? Not somebody just saying, oh, you know, oh, you want to, what, you need a car? Why don't you just go get you a car? But you don't, you asking about the bank balance. Oh, just go get Go ahead. Guess what you need. That type of stuff, you know. So and just simple questions like, okay, if I get a car, if I'm getting this, who's paying for it? Is this coming out of my money, or you just right. giving me something? And and again, that's and that's known enough to read a contract. If you don't really understand, fine, you can hire a lawyer who works on your behalf. You hire somebody who works on your behalf that will explain all that to you. But there's just, you know, standard due diligence in any kind of business. But marketing is key because again, it's what drives the sale. So you can have the best product or service in the world, but if you're not selling it, you're not making no money. And there's one reason why we all go into business, and that's to make money. Like someone said, no matter what business you think you're in, you're in the business of marketing. (laughs) Yes. People say, we don't do sales. Yes, you do. Anyone that touches your phone does sales. Because whatever they say, how they say it. In the business of marketing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, whatever they say, how they say it, any person picks up your phone can either keep or destroy a sale. And so, you know. But that's good advice for the people, particularly now when you got school out and a lot of times people, you know, will have uh, interns or somebody, you know, you know, because they're available, uh, have them answering their phone or have them building their website. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how many people tell me, oh, yeah, I'm going to get my niece or my cousin or somebody, you know. And so they put that authority and responsibility onto someone, and then when school starts and the person is gone or is finals and they're not available, you know, now they have that control over the website. A person won't even know the password. Well, what's the password? <laughs> the login access. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah. So they, you've given control particularly if it's your website, which might be your most visible presence in today's era, you don't even have access to it. You don't even yeah. know how to upload a, a photo onto this. Because some things today with the sites that are being built, if you you as that end user can add a photo, add an example. I mean, this, this yeah. stuff has got Even if you, get some, if you don't use a template to say, but if you get someone to build you a site, they can build you a site and build you what's called a gateway which a gateway will allow you to update it, not redesign it, but just to change content, you know, to add new information. Like like you say, add a photo, and that's what you you require. And, um, you know, your website, is that's real estate. Your domain name is real estate, all those things, and that's your total brand image. That's 
it's not the physical place. This is an asset too for you mm-hmm. as well. I mean, it's it is. Of- it's considered an asset. You know, how are you going to have that and allow somebody to totally control it? How you don't have keys to your property? You know, that's you can't access your property. You, I mean, you know, that just doesn't make sense. Whatever you do, because you can get someone to build it. You can, they can build it from scratch. But you need to understand the whole process, and you have to tell them whether you may not know the words, but I need you to build this in a format that I can easily access it and without knowing code can update my website. I need to know my domain name, where do I renew it, who's hosting it, who's providing it. You need to know all those breakdowns so that if your hosting needs to be renewed, who are you paying? Because sometimes people... People can just get sick, or like you said, go back oh. to school. Sometimes it's well, nothing intentional. What about the people, yeah. Jackie? I know That's what I'm saying, because they don't have a clue. their domain, and then they've got to try to, hopefully, maybe they can get it back for 200. A domain renewal might be 12, 10, they're going up now. But anyway, whatever, under $15, I'll just say. But yeah. if you let that domain slip and you don't renew it, it could be $80, and it could be $200, then it's gone. And yeah. now you got to come up with another domain because, like you said, they simply didn't know where to register that. Where do I go? And this is like again basic stuff. Or what they should do if you're again not marketing inclined, engage a Jackie, engage myself, someone like that who can then sit with that even tech person to make sure these are the questions you need to ask. Because sometimes, like I said, I feel bad sometimes I'm asking people some questions after they've. Basically, been taken advantage of because they look at me and I'm and I'm and they're like they feel I, I guess silly or you know but because they didn't ask these questions now they seem basic but sometimes you, you know you may not know the questions to ask if that's not yeah. your area but then that means you need to get someone on your behalf try to work out you know a relationship with someone who can sit down with the tech person you know as well because I like I said I've I've seen people just get totally taken advantage. I've seen people register someone else's domain name and then sell it back to them. <laughs> I know. It, it, oh, my gosh. I, I knew. It's like some people, because they feel that's the only way they're going to make their money. And, you know, it, it, it's just a it's a silly way, but it's too much access. And, that's, again, that's just evaluating who you're doing business with. If you, the person you're doing business with should be sharing things with you. Yeah. They say, okay, I'll just take care of it all, which is fine, but you need to understand exactly what they're taking care of. If you have no clue what they're doing or what they're taking care for you of, and it's your business and your name, and that stuff, and, and these premises are old school. Like, I'm from the school, you can't send a thing out for someone's company without them seeing it. I wouldn't even think about it. It would sit there forever before I would ever mail out something without that person approving it first. That's yes, just, you know, absolutely. and that's old school. That That's people, I tell you, people 80 years old right now who used to run Philadelphia Corporation for the aging. They they, they ran the, the civil service board and all. They would tell you right now, don't you? nothing goes out without them seeing it because that's their name, their brand, and they're responsible for, for it once it hits the street. And if people give you a hard time about giving you access to your information, then that's a red flag as well. Like if you ask that web person, you know, well, what's my login? 
What you want to know that for? Or, you know, how do I get access to my phone? You don't need to know that. That, to me, is a red flag with that particular uh, person or company because most of, you know, you should be able to get that information. They should have gave it to you on the front end. But if you start, you know, they're giving you a bunch of flack, then that tells you that that is definitely a red flag. Um, you might mm-hmm. want to start looking for somebody else because it's, at the end of the day, it's your website. It's your so you, it's your uh, you know, even if they're doing graphics. Mm-hmm. This is your stuff that you are engaging yeah. them. But again, you have to set that up on the front end because yeah. um, you won't be able to tell your story if you don't have access to your photos, your videos, your articles, your website, you know, your interview. If you don't have access, how are you going to tell your story if you don't have access to your content? Yes, so definitely. And understand when you hire somebody, it's considered a work for hire. Um, there are some creative levels and things, but those are things you need to work out because if someone's creating something for you from scratch, you need to be clear on a, who owns their copyright. Now, most of the time, the things fall in a work for hire, and and you pay for it. But then when you start asking for things, people to do things for you for free or on the back end, then and if they create it until that thing is paid for, <laughs> they own their copyright if they're the artist. So you just, you know, need to just be aware of who owns what because, um, those things can cause issues on the back end. But um, but even, again, going researching online, there are great agreements for non-disclosure agreements you can find. When working on film, there's, um, there's a, a different type of agreement. But there are agreements for doing collaboration, doing shared works, doing shared copyrights. Um, you can find information basically about, a, you know, a lot of things to at least give you a little background and understanding before you walk into a situation. So yeah, um, a situation that can be harmful for you, and, and like you've been saying, Jackie, I think it's all about that pre-planning, um, you know, and, and, and being strategic, really, in what you do. Yeah, yeah, because when you plan it out, first of all, you start to see the scenarios that could happen, and you start That's to right. see your worst and best case scenarios. And then you can, you know, you can alter a lot of that, you know, mm-hmm. up front. And, um, you know, because as you plan, all type of things will come out. But when you wait to the last minute, you just, you're throwing things together. And, I mean, like, I'm not going to say there's no real horror stories. I just think the biggest horror story, because, I mean, it happened to me, is that you leave a lot of money on the table because you don't plan. I used to have a stand down on 52nd Street in Philly. We used to vend. Our first year of vending, the holiday season, you know, we go to New York, get our stuff. The first, oh my gosh, we started selling like crazy. We would go once a week, maybe. <laughs> now we had to go every other day in December. We had to be up in New York every other day, and we were losing money because we were spending money traveling because we didn't get enough inventory. Because we didn't know what to expect. You know, we didn't have the right amount of inventory. And then, because it was so busy, now you go up there in October, early part of November, they're, like, trying to give you a deal. Mm-hmm. Do that same thing first week in December. You're trying to get, you're trying to just get in line and get something. And you don't get the same deals. 
So if you, you know, like knowing that, okay, that means our holiday shopping, we have to do at the very latest by the second week in November and not even a weekend. By the second week in November, most of our stuff needs to be done, which means you a much larger investment. But what you're, trying, you're keeping from is running up and down the highway all throughout the holiday season. And you're ensuring yourself a much better deal because it's slow and we can negotiate much better deals now by buying bulk, you know, super bulk, buying a lot. People are going to give you some good deals. And then because it's the holiday season, you can get more money for it. But we learned that our first year out there, how much money we left on the table and lost because we just weren't prepared for the onslaught. So it's going to come. And each industry has a season. So even if you're not retail sales, each industry has a season that's impacted by the holiday. Like printers, Mm -hmm. um, their time now is July through October. This is their holiday season because everybody's trying to get everything out for for Christmas. So they're mad busy. So if you're trying to go to a printer now and think you're going to get a quick turnaround, you've got to wait in line. Mm. So those are the things that, you know, we had covered, you know, your industry earlier, but that's just the importance of planning and, um, you know, just breaking this down and actually looking at it. Because our goal here is just to help us all produce, to be more professional and, and to realize what we can and to leverage this Internet. The Internet and different things make things so much more affordable. We can do advertising budgets because we can divide them up across the Internet. You still need to do some you know, print budget, things local, but your internet budget, two, three hundred dollars will go so much further. Um, and you can know, I say you this, Jackie, mm-hmm. to the people, in terms of that, to the point you're making now, put some percentage of your money, of your sales, monthly sales, weekly sales, daily sales, whatever, into uh, your marketing. Set aside. 10% of that sale uh, mm-hmm. or whatever, 20, whatever, 20, whatever you can afford, set that, because what happens is I'll say, someone will say, well, you know, I don't have a marketing budget, I meet them today. 12 months from now, I'll say, okay, well, here's what you should do, you know, set up some money, and now, if I see them 12 months from now, they shouldn't say, well, I don't have a marketing budget, particularly if they done sold now $50,000 worth of product. You know, so often, I, there are people who, Say they don't have a, have been saying that they don't have a marketing budget for the past three four years, and so yeah. like I said, my response is because this is what again if you look at best practices, you look at what IBM does, you look at what Coca Cola, Pepsi, anybody, any brand, uh, what they do, they will set a percentage of their sales aside for marketing as well as for research and development so that they can come out with new products and be on the leading edge. So. Same and that comes into product pricing. I, yeah, I really did want to get someone to speak on that because I'm not sure where our audience is. But that's about pricing, you know. Sometimes, you know, and also when you think you have to compete for all with all of those sales, those big sales at the but department no, but stores I'm just and saying, everything. I'm just saying, like you said about going out to a vending event. And so, say somebody's a vendor and they out vending today, and they're mm-hmm. doing or they're doing an event this weekend, and they sell. Five hundred dollars for products. All I'm saying is, if they sold five hundred dollars for products, yeah. put fifty dollars into us out of that five hundred into aside for marketing. Take ten percent. Yeah. Then the next week, but some people were saying, percent. if they say they can't afford it, if you can't afford it, then you're not pricing your product right because that should yeah, be up you're front. You're not in business. You're not in business. Yeah, you because be in business that's business part of your cost. 
You you know, yeah. your product should be priced based on you got electricity to pay, phone bills to pay, marketing, and you but have to put the marketing yeah. is also bring you more sales. Yeah. So it's going to, you're going but, to yeah, so so even in your pricing for your product, your marketing should be included in that. So honestly, taking absolutely. that 10% out, that should have been up front in the absolutely. pricing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. That's why yeah. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that a person is already, yeah, but, but yeah, if they're not doing marketing. But most yeah. of the time they don't. A lot of times people, yeah. I, I, yeah, I know, I mean, people price, yeah, I know a lot of people just from the vending and all. You, they go to New York. They get something for eight dollars. They come here in Philly and sell it for fifteen, sixteen bucks. That's really not enough when you consider that's your cost just to get it. The cost it took to go to New York and bring that back, whatever you spend in gas or what, um, you know, bus fare or whatnot. Then you know you're up and down. You got to do just to get to your stand. Um, just doubling it really is not enough. And you really realize that you're not making another eight dollars off of it. You're only making about three dollars because the rest of it went into the cost of doing business. So then there again, um, which we'll focus on more next year, real wholesale and you know really pricing. Like people say, retail is three to five hundred percent. Markup, yeah, but that's just a markup because they're in taking they're ca- taking into account every all the costs that they have to occur. Your cost is more than the cost of your raw material products. Your cost is your time, your overhead. If you're paying people, employees, your marketing, and you have to reinvest money back into your business. You you know you can't take it all back. Money has to go back into to the business so that you can keep purchasing. And like you said, research and development. So dancing to your product pricing. So a lot of times people aren't pricing appropriately. And right. then because they're buying, you know, shorthand and all, and they're not planning ahead of time, which is another thing we talked about, when you know your industry deadlines and you know your dates and trade shows and things, you can negotiate better deals. Just like I said, if we... Our first year when we did that vendor stand, if we'd have realized that we should, if we'd have just shopped two weeks earlier, we'd have got way better deals than what we were getting, and our profit would have automatically increased. So we didn't lose money. We made a little bit more, but physically we were so much more wore out, and the money didn't meet, you know, what was possible, and it was a lesson learned. So yeah, like that's simple. Say, that's how mm-hmm. you learn. You learn those things. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. It's a yeah, valuable simple. lesson. Mm-hmm. Some of them yeah. can be expensive. But, but yeah. this is why I say to people, it's good to work with people like yourself, Jackie, and myself. I often say to people, look, I lost money so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because a lot of these things, I've already, you know, had those experiences of losing that money or doing these events that didn't work or weren't didn't have the proper timeline, didn't have the proper budgeting. So mm-hmm. when I work with clients or people, you know, giving them advice or if I'm doing a webinar on, you know, effective marketing, whatever, I'm giving that experience that I've had to the audience so that they don't have to have that same experience. 
Now, some people want to have the experience of losing the money, but so I can't help you know to let them enjoy it. But for those who don't want to have it, that's where you want to get people. It goes back to what Jackie was saying earlier about credible people, because that's what they bring to the table. You're paying for that experience as well. When you get people who are just getting started in marketing last week, it's very difficult for them to give you valuable advice because they're basically learning on your on your nickel. So yeah. this is why sometimes you get people who are more seasoned and experienced. You know, you do have to, you know, pay them a premium because it, and it's worth it because they should also save you money and or help you make money. Yes, and and that's the whole point. You know, it really is worth it. It's worth the investment. And and to be honest, you know, you know, we're, we're really fair price. You know, what I mean, you know, there are various markets. You know, if you were in corporate, you know. They would charge four and five times more than what we charge. But, you know, we know if we don't have a corporate client, we're not trying to get corporate money. That's another thing, too. you got to be mindful when people try to gouge you and you need to know what's realistic on both ends. You know, if if you're right. in business, don't try to get from a small business owner, a solopreneur, the kind of money that you would go to a, a, a large corporation a with Fortune 500 <laughs> company, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know, you, you know. You wonder why you never have clients. Uh, you know. Well, that gets back to what you said about pricing things accordingly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to do some research. You got to know like what what the market will bear. bear. You got to know, um, you know what. Uh, you know what is the market rate, and, and 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 check out you know some alternatives to kind of see what what it is, but don't necessarily go to someone and you know say hey your price is out of line or whatever without having anything to compare it to either. So yeah. you got to do some research. Yes, and and then the, you know, and that's just all the way around. So um, this has been great, Norm. We didn't quite talk about our headlines and things, but I'm gonna bring you back on next week because next week is our marketing. And we're going yeah. to be talking about from video to mobile, okay. landing pages, and um, location-based marketing. And, and, and Eric Hamilton will be on as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And I would just say real quick on the headlines, I mean, people can go to uh, my site I mentioned. Uh, well, I would say go to black blackeconomicdevelopment.com. Uh, which you'll find on my pre- on my initial site, I said normbond.com, you'll see a link. But just look at some of the headlines, um, you know, there. Or a great place also to see headlines if you go to, like, Twitter. Uh, because the thing about the headlines, what I'm finding now, particularly with blog posts, is sometimes people will only read that headline, and so you can mm-hmm. kind of integrate a story into the headline. And your headlines can be a little longer than they used to be, actually. So that's one thing. But the the whole point of it is is to make it, depending on that, and we'll talk more about it, but it's to make that headline compelling. And another thing that goes in line with that headline, particularly for people who are using, who are blogging, is you can do an excerpt, which is a really powerful piece. If you put Because a lot of times when people, uh, particularly if you post something on Facebook or uh, even uh, in Google, they will not only put your headline, but they will put like a first sentence or two. It's about 160 to about 200 characters. So what I, one of the tips I would say to people is go into your story or your post and grab something that is really like compelling or exciting and put that little snippet, that little uh, 160 to 200 characters 
put that in is, is it called it's, depending on your platform it'll be called an excerpt or something to that effect but use that field a lot of people use it leave that field blank and so you know you're missing out on the ability to grab people with your headline and your excerpt make sure you yes. use those and of course an image you know you want to have a headline an excerpt, excerpt. And an image are the three key elements to bring in traffic to your blog, you know, with, with particularly if you're using WordPress, Blogger, you know, those types of platforms. Okay, great, great advice. <laughs> so we actually got somebody in the chat room. Cool. Um, I don't know if they can still hear. They on the line, but um, that's really excellent. Well, and and then well, I think I the only thing I can add to Jackie. yeah, the only thing I would mm-hmm. add to what you say about your headlines is. Read, read it and think, okay, if this was coming in your email with all the information overload you have, would it make you, would you open it up? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Is you know, you have to go back, yeah. And the other thing, um, and we'll talk um, in the marketing about the email marketing, but a lot of your services will allow you to do an A-B test where you can actually right. test headlines. Yeah. So definitely, you know, take advantage of that. Where you now, can what is an um, A/B test for people who don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> an A/B test, they'll give you two lines where you can put one headline, say in A, and another headline in B. And what they'll do, they'll of your blast. Say if you have um, 500 people, well, say 50 percent of them they will send. Well, not 50 percent. Okay. Say they would take um, 400 people and do a test, and so 50% of the 400 people, they would send A, and um, 50% of the people, of the 400 people, there's no 200, they would send B. Then the one that got the most open rate, the other 20%, they'll send to the one with the the highest open rate. So um, it's a way... um, and almost all marketing services provide the A/B test now, so yeah, you can split um, test or something like that, and you're basically yeah, splitting, and then you can see what's mm-hmm. more effective. I used to say to people to do that when, they were, when we used to buy mailing lists back in the day, way back in the '90s. Um, <laughs> when um, you know, say if you wanted to buy a mailing list from a magazine and you wanted to you want to buy ten thousand of their subscribers to do a mail to, I would say first buy like a thousand. And and mail to that thousand and say look at two different magazines. So let's say if you're doing African American marketing, you bought Essence and you bought Jet or Essence and Black Enterprise, and then you could say, well, okay, I'm gonna mail to a thousand uh, out of Essence and a thousand out of Black Enterprise and see which one gave you the best return rate, and then go get your other eight thousand because you're gonna do ten thousand total anyway. Go get the other eight thousand from the one that gave you the best result. And that's the same, similar type of concept as what we're talking about with the A-B test. It's like splitting your uh, your promotion into uh, two different buckets and seeing which bucket gives you the best return. All right. So um, that's just, you know, definite um, way. Do that. Uh, to, that's going to save you money and make you money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and then follow examples, you know, like Norm told you, go to normbond.com and click on black um, economics. 
Yeah, blackeconomicdevelopment.com. You'll see the image right there on the lower part of the page. You know, just click right there, and that way you'll see a lot of content. But, yeah, I have the image there. Uh, to the point you were making earlier, you know, um, I try to put everything under one umbrella, even though I'm into a lot of different brands or a lot of different mm-hmm. uh, platforms. You want to be able to, like, when you're on a show like this or you're on a art or you're on a radio, you know, you want to be able to give people one site that they can go to and then go to your other uh, sites or events mm-hmm. or products, what have you, because most people, you start giving them three, four different websites, you're confusing them. <laughs> yeah, 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 and we all tell you this based on experience, <laughs> and that's what yeah. Anthony was saying because he is a serial pre- Serialpreneur Anthony loves developing product. He lives for creating something new. He loves to create, and um, and I would say Anthony would cite, and he would send me a list of about ten sites, and I would just focus on one or two, whatever site was more relevant to whatever I was promoting at the time. And then I found his LinkedIn, and I would just send people to his LinkedIn because in LinkedIn you learn about him and everything is listed there. And then he um, actually got to it because he's a great designer where he just, um, for this series, he went ahead and updated his Anthony Stewart site, and, and he actually branded with him and said his things because he does do motivational speaking and all, and it's really the most, this is the most reflective thing I've seen him create, and I've known him for a few years now, that makes me feel Anthony. This is Anthony. You know, then and you can all, and you can click on the other things that he do. So if it's a mixologist, different things, you can click on those. But mm-hmm. it's simple. It goes right in. And Norm, you know, I can tell you all day long, normbond.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That curve appeal, you know, and the thing about the sites is you want them to be, uh, you know, to have that curve appeal so that when people come to the site, like, they can very quickly, you know, navigate around. You know, you want to make mm-hmm. sure that also that you, your links are working. You want to make sure that, you know, you don't have any broken links or broken images. I went to a site, you know, it's supposed to be in a store. You go to this store and you see broken images on the for the product pictures. Well, why would yeah. you put a credit card number in on a site that's broken images with a product pictures? So check no, the site, it, yeah. go through those pages. If you got links, make sure they work because work, sometimes yeah. if you're linking somewhere else, they may have moved something or changed their host or whatever. And now they and and if you're not checking, you know your site could be you know out of whack because yeah. you're not maintaining those um, links. Yeah, and that's the one key. I think next to the last show, one way um, I'm going to have to fit SEO in. We were supposed to talk about it, but we need a whole show just on that because. Well, I um, you do that show, Jackie. I know you're an SEO queen. No, I'm learning SEO. SEO is <laughs> finding them keywords, the ones that work. But we we had the workbook, which will really help. Like some things we're just going to talk about, but you just need to dig in on a workbook. So the workbook gives you the tools, show you the. Um, you know the the Google um, the Google tool um, keyword tool. I actually have a list of popular keywords for the holiday season, so you can just like take those keywords and just start incorporating them, and we'll give you the mythology of how to repeat. But like I said, not just on your website. 
and when I when I always look at the overall, because like we when you tell stories, as we said, you're telling stories verbally. Like Norm just came and repeated everything that you will find written. He, you know, he validated himself all the way around. So you tell verbal stories, you tell written stories, you tell visual stories, and whether that's video or Pinterest or your images, you're is multi forms in which you're telling stories. And when you do use images online, you have to do your um, keywords. So overall, when you look at your brand story, go back to your brand, your basic story. What are your you should have a list of 15 to 25 keywords for your business. And those keywords should be incorporated throughout all your content, whether written in print or online. Because what happens is you start to teach people how to find you. You start to teach them the terminology that they'll go online and look for. So you definitely want to... Um, Look at yourself overall and your overall content and find keywords, not just that people search for, but also you can start to teach people, you know, how to look for you, how to find you, certain, you know, keywords that automatically associate with your business, and that's through all of your content. So, and, what, and one other thing I would mention to that point, Jack, is if you have a good hosting company, which you should have, you should be able to look also at your traffic that you received historically for last month or six mm-hmm. months ago, last year, whatever, and kind of see um, what type of terms or phrases and keywords yeah. even people mm-hmm. are looking and using to get to your site. Now, if you don't have... You know, again, that gets into your host. That's a whole nother program. But there are ways that you can tell what search terms are being used for people that mm-hmm. are currently visiting your site. And that's not the conversation you can have with your web person. Now, again, another area I find people will have a web person. They don't know their traffic. They don't know. You know, you should know where. What are the sources of your traffic now? So, well, I'm again, finding. I had a show. young. Yeah, I have a young intern working with me. I'm finding out, and then this is just goes to our community thing because Norman and I are very community minded. But they're not teaching them, you know. They all these schools that you're going to. My guy, mm-hmm. web design. He didn't even know what SEO was. I had to make mm-hmm. him go mm-hmm. look it up. But how do you go to school and get a <laughs> degree in web design and not know SEO? Not know oh, how to bad. tell your clients how people are going to find them on the web. You build them a website, but you can't help them get found? That's sad. And you know they're charging money. These people are getting in debt, have these loans and and everything, and and grants that our taxpayers, you know, tax dollars are paying for. That's just Mm -hmm. basic. I was just floored at what this young man didn't know as far as, you know, to me that went with basic web design. Yeah. Wow. And you know why why he has Dreamweaver and everything, but you know mm-hmm. where he built his test website on right. Wix. Mm. Goodness gracious! I'm getting off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's oh. why certain things we say are important and. We look. I mean, you giving he, out, yeah. I'm sorry. I got you giving out more advice on this call than you know <laughs> a lot of people would pay. Hundreds of dollars that people would charge you a lot to hear the 
the advice, the tips that have been given out, because that's real. That's as the, as the folks say, that's real rap. What you're saying right there, and and, that, and that's what happens. People will, you know, they they hear someone who went to school, paid money, got a degree, and doesn't know what SEO means, and this is what's going on. And he paid a lot more than what he would pay to hear this call, to hear what. So we have. Valuable information, and, and I, and I, you know, I've been listening to the show before I joined, and the type of information that some of us are sharing with the community, with people who get access to our these shows, whether it's blog talk, through Facebook, some of the information, business owners need to take advantage of it because people will charge you hundreds or thousands of dollars for the same advice, and I see, and I because I know because I get the emails and the promotions myself. And, I'm, and, mm-hmm. and I go to these events, and a lot of times you, people pay, uh, you know, like I said, lots of money, and the, it, it comes back to the, the the story of the person who is sharing this information. What is their background? And when you look at Jack, you look at what she's done. You know, you you ha- she has the credibility, and like with myself, I mean, we hey, it's nothing to hide. Google me. You know what I mean? You'll see what yeah. we've done. But people will pay. Like I said, we, we're giving this information, and we do it out of a sense of commitment and because we want people to get access to the information. And we also have some premium services available for your pleasure as well. But you do yeah, have to take yeah. advantage of this information. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> yes, and, you know, when you pick up your ebook, um initial ebook, at least for all our initial guests and things, they will be in the buying guide so you can, you know, follow up and understand, you know, what each person, you know, what services they have available for you. But, again, like I said, to get your free e-workbook, if you're a black-owned business, you must register your business at IzaniaMarket.com. It's free, to, and you just click on Get Featured, and then you register your business for free at Taylor Adams Marketing Business Directory. You know, that tells that tells me because it takes a lot into this work. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.